Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah, it is Monday, September 14th, 2020. And you best believe this right here is Morning Combat, the only show like it. In the world of boxing, mixed martial arts, and beyond. That is not Luke Thomas sitting next to me this week. But that is a man you know very well, okay? Who he is. Don't let it hold him back. He's going to reach for the stars. He is a UFC Hall of Famer, a former light heavyweight champion. Always sweet, never sour. The tower of 40-year-old abs and ayahuasca power. Sugar Rashad Evans, my man. Thank you, sir, for joining us this week. My man, BC, it is good to be here. Great introduction, man. I'm excited to do this show with you, my man. Yeah, many people uh, have heard us before on the State of Combat on CBS Sports, but we're going through a bit of a merging right now ahead of the big MK Daily launch coming up. Morning Combat in your face, in your ear hole, just about every day. The great Luke Thomas uh, going to sit one out this week, going to rest up. You better believe next week we're coming on strong. MK Daily hitting you off every single day. A couple live shows per week. And don't forget, we got the Charlo pay-per-view on Showtime. We've got a big-time UFC card with Adesanya and Costa, so a lot to get into next week. But this week, we're going to jam BC and Rashad coming at you. Uh, Rashad, South Florida, how you living? How you doing, bro? I'm living good, man. Just got back from Vegas. Uh, it was a good trip out in Vegas, so uh, happy to be back home in Florida. All right, all right. Uh, as the listeners and viewers already know, you can try Showtime for free for 30 days. As Luke would say, I don't know, you can get bent, pound sand, wipe standing up if you don't like it. But why don't you go to Showtime.com now and explore. Look, you're not just getting Showtime Championship Boxing. You're not just getting great documentaries and movies. You can also go onto the app, go into that little, like, saved area. You can find Morning Combat Classics, Strike Force, Luke, me, Scott Coco, Merle Ronaldo. You're going to want to watch that archive of great moments as well. So please go to the website, tell them BC sent you. You try that out. And if you are jealous of the fine merch that we are putting out for Morning Combat, in fact, uh, Rashad, you could really outfit your kids nicely in, in, in stuff like this. You know, this hat oh, right here. Okay, okay, uh, okay, about, okay, uh, you know, okay. How about this uh, sweatshirt <laughs> right here? Okay, I feel like I'm in a barbershop with a, a gym bag right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, why yeah. Why don't okay. you head on over <laughs> to store.show.com right now? And uh, I want you to feel on your body what the rest of us are feeling. You know what I'm saying, Rashad? You know, you know where I'm going with I this? I feel you, this BC. I, 
I it's mean, it got a little awkward, but I, 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 I kind of feel where you're okay. going with it. Okay, it got a little bit awkward. <laughs> uh, Rashad, before we kick it off and get going, you got well-wished by uh, a friend of mine and yours, Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver coach and future future pro head coach Phil McGagan signing oh, in and saying, yeah. uh, "Tell my boy Rashad to go uh, to you know go bring it, go bring it." Yeah, right? that's that's my boy Phil. Yes. Big win for the Chargers to start it off. But uh, with the pleasantries behind us, uh, why don't we get into the biggest topics of the week in boxing and mixed martial arts? Jay, hit it for me. All right. All right. Well, here we go. We're going to start off. Hey, big weekend for Bellator MMA. Not just the announcement of the move from the Paramount Network to CBS Sports Network in the Viacom CBS family. Shout out. Uh, we've, they have also announced October 10th. Bellator will be the first promotion to enter France, putting on a card in Paris featuring Czech Congo and MVP now that the sport has been legalized. And there's also two world-class level cards this past weekend. Rashad, I want to start right off with Bellator 245. Uh, some gentlemen you know pretty well, Phil Davis, Lyoto Machida, mixed it up in a light heavyweight rematch, a main event, with really, although it wasn't formally announced, it was assumed a number one contender's fight, the winner most likely going to get the rising star Vadim Nemkov. It goes down as a split decision with Phil Davis edging Leota Machida, winning the first two fights against him. Uh, Rashad, as this played out, 35-year-old Phil Davis, was this impressive enough of a victory for you to potentially like his chances? Don't forget, he did fight Nemkov to a split decision two years ago in a potential title rematch. This fight was not the fight that I say, oh yeah, he's definitely got his best chance against Nemkov uh, because you see the growth in Nemkov. But what I do, do see about Phil is that Phil always rises to the level of his competition and he fights you know, kind of like his competition does. A uh, great example of that is a fight on Saturday. You know, he, he a complete kicking contest, um, com almost negated his wrestling to a, to a larger uh, extent. And uh, I think when he goes against Nimkov, he's going to try to adjust his game to that level. But Nimkov, he's steamrolling right now, so it's going to be tough. You know, I was, yeah, I was impressed by Phil Davis being the quicker fighter in here, getting off first uh, consistently. Didn't go for any takedowns, which was somewhat surprising to me, considering when he defeated Leona Machida in 2013 in UFC, it was aggressive, ground upon and takedowns, which surprised us. We never see Machida handled, let's say, that easily. Uh, this was a lot different. He used timing, distance, and all that. I really wasn't all that super impressed, though, Rashad. What is yeah. it about Phil Davis stepping up to the highest level of the elite where it's almost as if his ability to impress levels down just a little bit. We saw that split decision loss when he lost his title to Ryan Bader a couple of years back in Madison Square Garden. What is Phil Davis just missing from cracking the top of that mountain? It's the confidence, the overall confidence in his game. You know, when you have the overall confidence in your game, you don't look to adapt to somebody else's game. You implement your own game, and that's what you don't see in Phil. You don't see him consistently implementing that that tough wrestling that he has you know he has a lot of funk with his wrestling too so he can wrestle at a different level than a lot of guys who have uh you know um concert uh, regular uh, mma jiu-jitsu or regular mma grappling you know he has all that funk behind everything he does he can you know pull something off just by you know just going for a takedown in general so he has to go back to that he has to find a way to make sure that he's always getting in his fights i think what happens with him is the fact that he starts to do so much research on his opponents and then he started to just you know try to shut his opponent down instead of imposing his will 
Yeah, and look, Styles make fights. He fought a lot more aggressive against Nemkov the first time around. Did lose that by split decision. Will be interesting to see if he gets the call again. Rashad, we all love us in Bellator, but are you on board with this narrative, first by Ryan Bader, then by Scott Coker, now by Phil Davis, that in fact, Bellator at 205 has the best division in the world when you consider John Jones, DC, Gustafson have all moved on from the UFC, and we're going to find out coming up between Dom Reyes and Jan Blahowitz, who's the man there. Does Bellator as it stands now, Nemkov, Machida, Davis, uh, you can rent uh, Gegard Mousasi, now Corey Anderson dropping in. Is this the best division in, uh, in the world at 205? They make a compelling argument. I, I definitely, uh, you know, when you say it like that, like just off the top of my head when you said it, I was like, oh, no, they're not, not even close. But um, I, think, I think it's pretty competitive. But what I would say is this right here. I would say the young blood of what the UFC has now have now in, in the 205 weight class, you know, it, it definitely can rival what they have at uh, Bellator. But at the same time, you have to go with the younger talent because it's a younger talent. You know, the UFC didn't get rid of um, Corey Anderson because they thought they had a jewel in him. They thought that they squeezed him for what he was worth. Um, I don't necessarily hold that opinion myself, but, you know, that's the way they see it. So, um you know, there, there could be something to say about the younger roster makes the better fighters. Uh, Machida at 42. Uh, I didn't I didn't think he had a case to, 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 you know, the split decision seemed a little bit closer than I had it. Uh, I didn't think he was pulling the trigger enough. Is it is the, I mean, welcome to the Machida era. I don't like to bring that up, Rashad. That, that, that's not a great moment in Rashad Evans history. Much respect here. Uh, <laughs> is the Machida era over all over, though? I mean, he had a good third round, but I'm waiting all night for him to let that left hand go. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know what? I I just think that he he goes against a Phil Davis who um, you know, he had nightmares about, you know, from the first time that he fought, you know, and if you ever been held down and been completely dominated like that, it can kind of stick with you for a while. So, I think he was just a bit cautious. You know, he still looked like he had the quickness and he still looked like he had the legs. And when I look at a fighter who doesn't have it anymore, I look at the legs and I look at their ability to take a shot, and he looked like he still had those, but when it comes to just firing, you know, he was thinking too much. And I don't know if he's thinking too much because he's got that gun shyness to him because he's been uh, hammered too many times in the cage or because he's being conservative because he's thinking about the last time he got whooped by Phil Davis, you know? All right. Well, the close on this, uh, you know, I don't know where Machida goes from here, but if he is looking for a creative matchup, Rashad, you know, one with a little bit of storyline and history in it, one maybe with a little bit of revenge for one of my friends. Uh right. I, I mean, I've seen your shirt list on Instagram there, uh, working out with Coach Lester, okay? Uh, I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Hey, BC, listen. All they have to do is say the word, BC. All they have to do is say the word. You will have me in a fight before the end of 2020. <laughs> he's ready. He's 40. Come at him. He's a man. By the way, uh, off topic but close, I did have dinner with Scott Coker last week. Uh, I did bring that up, Rashad. Okay, I said the fan in okay. me did not let this conversation go without bringing that in. And, I, and, I, pre- like, and I appreciate that. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
Thank you. All right, moving on there. Uh, quickly, that main event on Saturday night, Bellator 246, it, it, on paper, it could have been the best fight of the weekend. Uh, played out pretty well. I enjoyed it. Vacant Bantamweight title on the line, and it was Juan Archuleta taking it home against Patchy Mix. Mix had come in unbeaten. Rashad, we'd seen some spectacular submission wins out of him but this was going to be a real proving ground tester. Archuleta has been in there against the very best, the, the Patricio uh, Pitbulls. And he's going to start his own era here. Rashad, tell me if I'm wrong. This looked a lot like the second Ioana-Claudia Gadelha fight, where if you look at Archuleta in the role of Ioana, I'm going to take a step back, let you do what you do great for two rounds. But then as you start to slow down, I'm going to implement my veteran skills. Very heady victory for Archuleta. Yeah, you know, and he, uh, you know, he rolled out a pretty uh, tough storm and, you know, being able to survive on the ground with Patchy Mix with that jujitsu and just his ability to transition from each and every move. It's a tough, you know, tough task, especially to do that for 12, two rounds. But then you seen him start to come on as the fight went on and start putting a lot of work into the body and those body shots, you know, hitting to the body, going back up to the top. But going to the body, it really took a lot out of uh, Patchy and it made it so that he wasn't able to implement that dominant grappling game anymore. Yeah, I think it goes to show you there, you're not going to know who you are. We're not going to know as critics and pundits who you are in terms of getting thrown in the deep end until you actually do. Patchy Mix had been, you know, tapping folks quickly, but Archuleta was game in those first two rounds, even though I scored them both for Mix. I thought he was, uh, you know, he was showing the full bag of what he had on the ground. But once you get into that fight late, good God, those body shots, as you mentioned, Rashad, I think even DC was waking up and in, uh, in grunting in his sleep and not knowing why. Those were uh, <laughs> brutal. This was a strong victory. Very good to see, but a pretty fun fight overall. Uh, to close on Bellator, uh, Look, not bad. Going to the CBS Sports Network. Going to have some interplay with the things we do on CBS Sports HQ uh, and our fine folks at Showtime, etc. Uh, feels like a good move for them. Absolutely. You know, it's a step in the right direction. And all it needs to have a step in the right direction with the right organization, with the right system around it. And these fighters are going to put on the show. You know what I'm saying? I think that this what these fighters are looking for just to be able to have that stage to just, you know, blast off to the top. And I like the Thursday night card, which is going to be a regular thing. Uh, October 15th, I believe, was the date for that uh, Chris Cyborg title defense against Arlene Blenko. That's going to be the U.S. debut of this new deal. It's all going to kick off October 1st, though, with Paul Daly from uh, Italy. Good stuff there. But let's move on to our second heading of the week. Uh, Rashad, you're a great guy to go to on this one. You were in the building working the broadcast for ESPN. It was the main event of UFC Fight Night, Las Vegas, Apex, all that inside the bubble there. And we saw a fight that was elevated to the main event just weeks before when Glover Teixeira pulled out with COVID. And you had Michelle Waterson. You had yourself the women's strawweights, my favorite division. Angie Hill, the opponent. And they went five hard rounds. Rashad, this was great theater from two women who went after it. We weren't sure coming in. Is Waterson going in the other direction Why? while... Uh, while Angie was rising, had sort of this late career resurgence in terms of looking like she could be a real contender. Uh, in the end, it was Watterson by a hair. From your perspective, did the judges get it right? Yeah, they got it right. You know, it really came down to me uh, the last 30 seconds. You know, the last 30 seconds when you heard Michelle do that war cry and she's throwing kias and yeahs and every single punch, you know, that extra effort, it really made an impact if you were there um, because it, it let you know who was the fresher fighter and uh, it, it just it just kind of made it seem like even the shots that she was catching her with was, was a little bit harder. And, uh, you know, also the, the front kicks that she was able to land 
was, was something that landed big because it, it was so disruptive to the movement of Angela's progression that you just had to take note that, you know, it had to, it was a factor. So those were the things that scored big for Michelle. Um, but it didn't start out that way. You know, Angela was giving her everything that, you know, she, she could take in the beginning and, and her, Michelle's face was proving it, you know, just that forward pressure that she had. And, you know, Michelle, uh, I mean, Angela didn't really back off that pressure until Michelle started to dive underneath and get those takedowns. And once Michelle landed those takedowns and was able to be a factor on top, then Angela got a little bit more conservative about her, her uh, forward progression. And that's when Michelle started to steamroll with those front kicks. But gutsy performance by both of these ladies. Oh, full-on theater. Waterson, I thought she was going to get one of those Mark Hominick growths, you know? Like, it'd be great for a drug mule to kind of sneak some stuff through when you got a softball sneaking <laughs> out of your head. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't end up going in that direction, but I think that flurry at the end of f round five, when it seemed like the fight was up for grabs, whether you believe she was landing full or not, it sells it, and I think it sold it in the end. I had it 2-2 entering that fifth round, and I did think that flurry at the end is what sort of won me over. What's interesting is Watterson was the younger fighter by one year, but Rashad, to be honest, I had thought her idea of being a legit title contender was over when she went in there two fights ago against Yuana Young Jacek, fought her heart out over five rounds, just couldn't get over that hill against a bigger, better fighter. Yeah. She suffered a tight loss after that by split decision. This was a big win she needed, and I kind of like her comments where she said, look, the division right now, it's always packed and loaded. But you got Tatiana Suarez hurt. You got Rose Namajunas hurt. You've got uh, uh, Mrs. Amanda Nunes going into labor soon for their family. So she's not going to, Nina Ansaroff not going to be part of that. There's always the idea of if a door opens and you're hot and you're coming off of something. And I mean hot, by the way, in terms of your progression <laughs> up the ranks, although you know, it might work that way too. Uh, but if you're hot, Rashad, sometimes you can slide in. So this was as strategic a big win as possible for Michelle, who I know you've trained with and are close with. But give me the flip side on Angie Hill. She just can't seem to win these close split decisions. What is she missing, Rashad? You know, I, I I think she hit it right on the head. You know, I think she's she's missing a grappling aspect of it. Not that she can't grappling, but she doesn't have the kind of game that you see Michelle has to be able to impose your grappling on somebody. And, you know, we've seen in a few fights that Michelle lost, you know, uh, she lost one against Carla Esparza, then she lost another one against Joanna Young Jacek. In the fight against Joanna Young Jacek, she was really trying to implement this game that you've seen her pull off uh, against Angela Hill, but it was to no avail that night. But you see the fruits of that labor paid off because what she wasn't able to accomplish on Joanna, she was able to accomplish on Angela Hill. So that's what the same thing Angela needs to do. She needs to go in there and just start to just deconstruct a game and start to implement, you know, some grappling in some of these fights. And then before you know it, you have a complete game. And that's what she's really lacking. Yeah, Waterson's grappling did seem to turn the tide a couple of times. Hill's exact quote afterwards was, I've got to start taking bitches down and hugging them, which is a strategy that I used in college, not successfully, though, Rashad. Uh, looking back, though, uh, I wanted better for Angie Hill. I love the, the rebirth story. She got cut years ago, right? She was part of that original Ultimate Fighter house in 2014 when the division was created. She won the Invicta Championship. She lost a ton. She run three in a row, showed us that she's for real at 35. Uh, she was doing what I thought she needed to do to win over the judges. She was landing hard shots early and walking Waterson down. But like we said, flip of the coin, as close a fight as you can have. And Rashad, I've said it before. And I'll say it once more. Uh, I don't usually day drink, and I won't today, but I do drink the Kalo <laughs> hemp-infused seltzer, and I'll pour a little bit out right now. 
for the women of 115 in the UFC. Rashad, what is it about women in general, but 115-pound women, that just gets me so damn excited? I don't know what makes them get you so excited, but I'll tell you what gets, makes me get excited about them. I mean, they just got a ferocity that, you know, you don't really see from uh, from the other women's weight classes. You know, they just seem a little bit more cantankerous than, than the rest of them. And uh, they go out there and lay it on the line. You know, they, they definitely have that. Um, they have so much skill set, too. You know what I'm saying? They're like the perfect the perfect blend. I like them too, man. It's the perfect weight. I mean, the divisions yeah, are so is. shallow in UFC at 35, 45, uh, 25 is a kind of a Sarlacc pit, if you will, with Shevchenko on the bottom. And uh, this division is always fireworks. So shout out to all those women. I mean, look, it's when you look on the card, the first thing I look for are women's straw weights, okay? All right? It's just the way I'm wired, all right? You're going to have to deal with that, Rashad, okay? You know? <laughs> when, when Ioana says boogie woman is coming... Might not be the only one. All right, enough weird stuff. Uh, let's roll on here. Uh, big names in the news for our third topic of the week. And uh, hey, Conor McGregor back in the police blotter to a degree. He has denied uh, allegations coming out of France. He's on vacation in Corsica. I think there's some kind of world tour on a boat. I'm not sure, but he was in a French bar and he was uh, detained by police and accused of attempted sexual assault and sexual exhibitionism. His team has... Uh, vehemently denied this there was no arrest yeah uh rashad i'm not really sure you know how we can react to this we don't know the facts in, in this situation this guy is a public figure though and keeps getting attached to this stuff your initial reaction when you heard this was it sort of like all right we'll wait for the facts or was it hey these things are piling up um it was a little bit of both you know uh, at first i was like dang man he's always getting caught up but then i i, I thought about it and then i looked at uh I looked at what they're saying and I looked at the allegations and, you know, it, this is another allegation. It's, it, you know, it's kind of baseless in a sense. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of, you know, uh, you know, somebody said that he uh, indecency exposed himself or whatever the case may be. But I mean, you, you're kind of McGregor. You, you're walking around. It, it's, it's a circus around him. When people get around him, they act completely nuts. So who, who's to say what really happened? Who's to say what he really did? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and then when you start looking at the facts of the whole situation, you know, he's on, uh, you know, he, he's on the, the boat with the, the, the yacht with his wife and his family and things like that. So when, when you when you hear the heading of, you know, sexual assault, it's like one of those things like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But then, you know, uh, looking at the facts of the situation, it's it's more of a um, headline grabber than than actually meet to this whole to this whole um, allegations, I believe. Yeah, right before those allegations, I believe it was the day before McGregor posted on Instagram a picture of Usada having found him out there, Rashad, uh, and hit him up with a test, and he made the joke on on uh, social media that I'm retired, but obviously, look, he's not really retired. If no, he's still if enrolled in the Usada program. Yeah, if you're in that testing pool, you're not retired. But what's remarkable is the fact that they went and found him on the yacht. And there's, you know, there, there's some people saying that you saw they don't make their way around uh, to these international spots enough. It's just funny that Conor McGregor makes sure he gets one, you know. Rashad, do you have any weird him. stories of uh, USADA walking in on the bathroom on you or uh, catching you with your pants down? Nothing, nothing weird here. Nah, I mean they they they'll find you. They'll find you everywhere you go. That's that's one hundred percent sure. You know, and they they tested me a lot when I was fighting for the UFC. Uh, no matter if I was in you know visiting someplace, they'll just pop up and be like, hey, uh, we we you know we we know you're here. And you know, there's a couple times where I didn't even think. Uh, like I didn't, I forgot to put in my whereabouts and I got in trouble for that, but they find you. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Uh, closing on McGregor, I'm really lamenting 2020, right? We all kind of hate 2020. There's been some rough things. We got the quarantine. The damn Black, Black Panther died. Uh, Cliff Robinson's not here anymore. There's been a lot of yeah. crap going on. Political tension. And I feel like this derailed what would have been a McGregor UFC comeback. Now, look, him coming back, whether you like it or not, it's not on the level of some of these more serious things. I'm just saying when he walked in there and destroyed Cowboy Cerrone, whether you believe that was a perfect, you know, get well gift from the UFC or whether you thought he was completely reformed, it looked like he was ready to be busy and fight two to three more times this year and get back in the title picture and all that. And I get what the quarantine and the lack of live gates at least initially did to the idea of these big stars coming back. But Rashad, you know, people get on us sometimes as journalists, maybe not you, you, you got the fighter slash journalist thing going. So you got a, a, you know, another level of cool going on, but for the basement peddlers like myself, the mouth breathers, you know, they're like, Oh, you're just a Conor McGregor super fan. Well, you know, we've talked about this before the sports better when this guy is active, but I'm wondering if I'm drinking the juice on the idea that he's ever going to be an actual fighter again, more than a once a year giant cash in big opportunity Habib or, you know, some GSP super fight or something. I mean, every day, every month we get closer to him, you know, getting 35 and 40 in terms of age. Rashad has that ship pun intended officially sailed in your eyes that we'll never see McGregor again, fight two, three times in a year and try to be an active regular fighter. Yeah, I, don't, I think that ship has sailed. I don't think that we'll, we'll see him in a regular fighting role, you know, um, just because every single time, you know, uh, even one of his fights is just there's so much that goes into it. There's so much that is at stake. There's so much to be gained. And each and every single opponent has to be mapped out. And, it's, and, and every time that he fights, it's a blockbuster. So, you know, if you have too many blockbusters in a year, then they kind of ruins your blockbuster, right? So you can't even put them out there that much. So, I mean, yeah. And then not, and not, and not for nothing, I mean, um, you have to kind of protect him in a sense where you want to give him the kind of fights where even if he does lose, it doesn't ruin his value. And um, that's where you're at with McGregor. So I think that's, yeah, that's, that's a pretty fair assessment, BC. That is what it is right there. I mean, look, uh, more money, Rashad, more problems, okay? More problems, B-I-G, yeah. right. He, <laughs> he also died shortly after saying that. Uh, Rashad, you did mention Blockbuster. I, I'm looking for your 90s strategy when you would enter the store, right, the, the great VHS tape store. We all wanted to get behind that curtain in the back corner, right? Because you know what's yeah. back there, right? What was your strategy? Would you sort of like run to it and just be like, I don't care? Or was it like a casual, let me look at the regular movies next to it and see if anybody's in there? I, I, I would casually do it because most of the time I went in there, I probably I went in there with my girl, so I really couldn't. <laughs> well, okay. okay. You, were, you were living in a different 90s than I was. All right. Okay. We're getting there. Yeah. Well, look. Okay. You were uh, 
high school football star. People forget that there, along with the, the wrestling as well. All right. Uh, also in the news on the boxing side, it's Big Red. It's Canelo Alvarez, the, the Globe's biggest boxing star. My number one pound for pound king. It doesn't look like he's going to be back in the ring, Rashad, anytime soon. Uh, this broke uh, a day after we did the show last week, so we didn't get into the impact. But Canelo has filed a $280 million plus lawsuit against his own against Golden Boy Promotions and against Oscar De La Hoya, his promoter, specifically for, uh, you know, broken promises, fiduciary, duciality, if you will, and a bunch of other stuff. Rashad, I understand specifically his, his gripe with the zone. I signed a contract for $35 million per fight, and you're offering me half that because of the quarantine. That ain't going to work. I don't think you know any court of law, as long as the contracts are written that way, are going to help out DAZN in that case. But do you make anything, and we've, we've known about Alvarez's unhappiness with, with Golden Boy over the last year, of the idea that he's straight up suing his promoter. Uh, do you think at age, I believe he's what, 31? That he could be, or 30, I'm sorry, that he could be prepared for the possibility should this extend. Let's remember Andre Ward in his prime stepped away from the ring for something like two years to try to get out of his promotional deal. He lost in court. There ended up being a settlement afterwards. Uh, Canelo can't stop winning titles and making big checks. You think he's prepared to actually step away from that to win this? No, I I don't think so. And I don't think that, you know... uh the De La Hoya Golden Boy Promotions are going to let that happen. I think they're going to try to look to uh, appease and try to make, look to amend the situation as, as fast as possible because, you know, they know they were wrong in the whole situation. You know, when, when you know, what happened was Canelo had a, a contract with them where he decides where, who he's going to fight, where he has the last say who he's going to, who he's going to fight. And then when DeZone came to the picture, Golden Boy and DeZone, uh, had a contract and Canelo wasn't even there when they had their meeting. And in that meeting, they discussed the fact that the zone will have a say in who Canelo fights. And that's where the whole problem lies. The fact that Canelo's like, hold on, these, these people don't got a say in who I fight and when I fight and all that, you know? So that's, that's where the, the whole true problem lies. And I think that's something that can be worked out because that having Canelo sit out right now, Everyone knows that's a lot of money to miss out. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, it's bad for the sport, too, right? He, he fights yeah. the two Mexican holidays, May and September, the old Floyd and Oscar schedule, if you will, for a reason. And it became like boxing sort of, you know, majors, quote unquote. Uh, I think Canelo at this point has earned a, a Floyd Mayweather level of, of control over his future. Uh, I don't think it's going to be easy to get out of this Golden Boy contract. I think it's more likely that this was a larger scare tactic, that they'll compromise and figure something out. But I also think that if Canelo Alvarez wants to do what Floyd did or do, let's say what Miguel Cotto did late in his career, where he was only signing one-offs with each promoter or network to try to just, you know, bargain out the best opportunity, he certainly deserved that. This is the Canelo Alvarez era in boxing, whether you've recognized it or not, post-Floyd and Manny, although obviously both fighters still kind of lingering in their own way. I mean, Canelo has given us the best of the best. Yeah, he... He, he ingested some tainted meat. He's done some things. He's got really weird tattoos, Rashad, on the inside of his left forearm, including one of his wife's eyeballs. Now, Rashad, no. I, I love me, my lady, okay? Um, <laughs> I don't think I'm getting her eyeballs on my left forearm. No. I mean, why, does why your wife have that kind of control on you? No, I mean, that means she's always watching you. That's not a good thing. <laughs> I do things with that hand, you know? I mean, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? I, I do want to say this, though. Um... I hope he comes back soon. I hope we can figure this out. 
But the most bizarre thing that came out of this, it looks like the zone's only stance is they're claiming, now they haven't really commented publicly, but we're kind of hearing this around the horn through sources, that they're claiming that Canelo has not given them what was contractually written, which is one quote-unquote premier opponent per year. Now, Rashad, they, I think, are arbitrarily going back, right, and saying, well, we don't think Sergey Kovalev and Daniel Jacobs last year were premier. Like, are you kidding me? That's a joke. Right. And now they were trying to say, well, you know, you want to fight Billy Joe Saunders. You want to fight Callum Smith. Those aren't premier. According to a source, and we've seen great reporting from the likes of Dan Rayfield and Mike Coppinger on this, DAZN's list of quote-unquote premier fighters at this point for Canelo are Gennady Golovkin, Jorge Masvidal, Habib Nurmagomedov, and 47-year-old Oscar De La Hoya. Okay. We got to decide on what we're trying to sell here, and that's, and that's the discussion that needs to be had here. Are we just trying to sell buys, or are we really trying to sell a sport with actual real competitors that deserve to be in that position? You know, and I mean, that's what they have to decide, because at, at the end of the day, I mean, you have somebody who who boxes and have the technique and just a beautiful skill level of, of, of Canelo, you don't muddy him up just by letting him fight anybody. You let him fight the best. You know what I'm saying? You, you want to put him against the best talent because you want to showcase that. It, it'd, be a, it'd be a ripoff to allow you to not let him show the world how great he is against other great talent. I mean, you can do uh, Maymac, by the way, when Floyd's 42 and retired for two years, which they did, and it worked. You can't put Canelo out there against Masvidal right now. You can't put him against Habib, no. who doesn't throw hands, you know, on the level that he does everything else. Uh, I mean, the, the the De La Hoya thing's laughable, although, look, I do wonder if we are headed into that direction, given the uh, unhappiness between them. But, uh, yeah, that look, this is the zone, and, and, you know, they've done a lot of great. They've picked up a lot of below-the-radar big-time fights and made it accessible for us so we're not out there getting the uh, Russian malware trying to f- track down the illegal stream. But, uh, you, you, nah, nah, bro. They, they, the can't, they can't get caught up in the whole, like, circus type of promotion. Like, that's not, that's not something you want to fall into initially. That's well, something did. that kind of happens. They did the YouTubers. You Rashad, they're the master of the of the oh, damn Paul yeah, brothers. That's so right, it's, that's it right, is on that's brand. Right, uh, that is right. That it's is like, right. but look, like Canelo doesn't have that reputation of not taking tough fights. Did he wait out Triple G a year and a half? Yes. But outside of that, he's always faced the best of the best. Fought Floyd when they didn't think he should have. You know the story. Fought Trout, Lara right. back then when he when he didn't have to. Just moved up to fight Kovalev. I don't care if you think Kovalev is washed. He's a he's a huge puncher. It was a fight that mattered. So shout out to Big Red. He's done a lot of great for the sport. Uh, tattoos. You know, notwithstanding. All right, let's roll on here. Rashad, we got a fight this Saturday night uh, on the UFC side, the fight night, Las Vegas. That is definitely very interesting, given their history of as former teammates at ATT, uh, grudges against each other. And now some interesting pivotal, let's say, uh, positioning in the welterweight division. When Colby Covington, coming off of that title loss, goes in there against Tyron Woodley, who's coming off multiple despondent losses, Rashad, I think the narrative here, despite Donald Trump's uh, endorsement this morning on social media of Colby Covington, is uh, is T. Wood cashing himself out because his title loss to Kamaru Usman, his subsequent loss to Gilbert Burns, I just didn't see a guy who wanted to pull the trigger. I could have very easily have seen 
Tyron Woodley retire, take an easier fight, take some time off, figure some things out. He's going right back into the Lions' den against a game fella in Colby Covington. What the heck are we supposed to expect right now from T. Wood, a guy I love? Give me some Tyron Woodley. I love that man. Man, we're supposed to expect a dogfight. You know, uh, Tyron's fighting for his career. He's fighting for his life as he know it, as he know it for the last few years. You know, um, when you're in a position like Tyron, you're trying to, uh, you know, go back in time and try to, you know, uh, experience what you once had and, and you'll give anything for that. And at that point, at this point that he's at right now, he doesn't believe that he doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't believe that he's lost a step. He, you know, he knows where his trouble has lied as far as just mentally not being prepared, going to the fights and not mentally staying on and being distracted, having too many things going on outside of his fights that pulls attention away. So those are the things that, you know, he, he knows, but, um, He's fighting a really uphill battle because now his confidence has been chipped away. You know, losing the way that he has against Gilbert and against Kamaru, you know, that starts to beat up at your confidence. That starts to beat up at your ego. But he's he's been able to, I guess, rebuild, you know, himself a bit, you know, having training camp with Masvidal, getting some mind wine from his coach, Dean Thomas, about just, you know, accepting that feeling, accepting that fear that he has, you know, just, you know, from losing like that. So he's making the right steps. But he's going against a very, very, very tough Kobe Covington. And a quiet Kobe, a very quiet very Kobe quiet. is a dangerous Kobe. Well, I felt like, you know, this fight should have been, you know, could have been a giant sort of pay-per-view type fight. But there's almost no buzz around it. And I think, look, when you get a typical grudge match, we were going to expect a lot of fighting, you know, in interviews and TV. We really didn't see any of that. And I think, obviously, it's dumbed down or, or watered down by the fear we have of what's left with Woodley. Because this has some some sneaky action potential here, especially since Colby is looking to use his hands more. And uh, I just don't have that confidence that T. Wood's going to go in there and let the hands go. We talked about this in the past, Rashad. I love his welterweight title run. I think it was very underrated. He didn't get the support promotionally from UFC and Dana White. They were always sort of fighting. What he did on that stretch and went in there... And beat each guy from Walt Lawler through Till through Mayo uh, Thompson at what they do best, basically. But each of those fights, except for maybe the first uh, uh, Wonder Boy one, which was a draw, he was the leader in those fights. He dictated the terms and the game plan. He was almost like a front runner. And I wonder if that sort of changed him as a fighter, right? He didn't have to bring out right. the dog in most of those fights because job one, game plan A, was completely successful. Uh, when he was forced to be in that spot against Usman and Gilbert Burns, it wasn't that he tried and failed. I don't think he tried. You know, there was there was a there was a there was a failure to to launch. There was the wires were crossed up here. I hope that knowing what's at stake, mainly his future and reputation. To be really honest with you, I don't want to see him go quietly into the night. I want to see him throw some hands. And if he does, Rashad, Colby and Usman aren't the same fighter. Usman was mm -hmm. able to ground and pound and ragdoll. Will Covington have that same advantage potentially should he want to bring it out onto Woodley? Well, yeah, I, I totally agree. And if, it, for me, if you want to look and try to find the, the black box, you know, if you say uh, where things started to go wrong for Tyron, I think you have to look at the rap albums. You know, I think, you know, not, not to try to diss him or nothing like that, but those are the kind of things that lead you from doing what you're what you're supposed to be doing you know um not saying that you can't branch out and broaden your brand out but when it starts to pull 
at your attention and your focus on what you need to be focusing on or being champion, then that's when it becomes a problem. And I think all those other things that Tyron getting caught up with the whole Hollywood lifestyle, I think those are the kind of things that start to really chip at that armor of being a champion because you can't be a champion and be Hollywood at the same time. It just doesn't match. You know what I'm saying? You, like, like Hagler said, you know, it's hard to wake up in the morning and train when you wake up in silk sheets. That's true. That's true. I don't have silk sheets, but I'm sure that's true, Rashad. Uh, <laughs> Ronda Rousey did find out that juggle with Hollywood didn't work out the same way. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I, I, lo- I love T. Wood. I hope he can at least give his best effort, and we'll see if that's good enough. For Colby Covington, though, because his brand is, is sort of uh, facing upward despite that title loss to, excuse me, Kamaru, in which they went five vicious rounds before the late stoppage, do you think this secures a title shot with a win here, knowing that Gilbert Burns is probably going to get the next one, or he is going to get the next one officially, and then you still have Leon Edwards lingering around saying, what else do I have to do? I think it all depends on how he does this fight. You know, if it's a very impressive win, then people are going to be calling for that fight with uh, Kamara right away. You know, if, if he looks, if he goes in there and he looks super impressive and looks better than Kamara did against Masvidal, then people are going to be calling for that fight. Um, you know, one thing about Kobe's is the fact that, you know, people learned so much about him in that fight with Kamaru. We knew that he was tough. We knew that he was, you know, beating people by landslide, but we just didn't know how tough to gauge his toughness compared to somebody like Kamaru. But in that fight with Kamaru, we learned a lot about Kobe and we learned that he has not only a lot of mouth, he got action behind it. So, you know, people are starting to look at him with new eyes and, um, you know, it, T Wood is in for the fight of his life. You know, it's 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 really it's really a tough position to be in when you're in there with somebody who talks as much mess as Kobe, and you just can't lose to him. That 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 has to suck. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, they I mean they used to sell the drama between them uh, much better back in the day in terms of trash talk back and forth, and Colby saying that you know he made. Woodley tap out and cry and all that. Uh, we'll see here. It's going to be a very interesting bout. Five rounds. Uh, I hope Woodley pulls the trigger. I- I'd like to see some wrestling. I'd like to see the T Wood of old make a little bit of comeback. But as we found out, Rashad, it's not, you know, sometimes it could be in your head, not in your body, or, 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 or you know, vice versa. You've been there down the e- end of your career when yeah. you still carry yourself as a champion. But if everything's not aligning right, right, then, you know, mind, body, soul, spirit, all that, it, well, it is hard. It is hard. Yeah, well, I think I think Dean Thomas he he did a post about it this weekend that really just uh, solidified what what it is. You know that happens to you as you get older as a fighter. He said when you're in your twenties, you want to fight everybody, but then you know as you get older, you you don't want to fight everybody. You know you'd rather sit down and buy him a beer or buy him a dinner. You know what I'm saying? Just because you start to cerebral uh, cerebrally you start moving in a different way and uh, mentally you just don't look at fighting the same way and you don't feel fighting the same way. So at that point, when you reach the same point, you have to recalibrate why you're doing it. You know, you're not doing it for the same reasons as you were doing it when you started it, when you were much younger. Now you have to recalibrate that and say, okay, now I'm doing it for this and truly believe it and get behind that belief like you did the first time. 
Uh, Rashad, this is a pretty damn good undercard. This is like a, uh, you know, Applebee's two apps for $20 special type deal. There's a lot of little fixings on here that I'm interested in sampling here. If you had to look up and down, I'm going to want to know which storyline on the undercard are you most excited for. I'm going to hit you right off the top. Don Cerrone's coming off of four straight losses, and he's going in there against an absolute savage in this co-main event against Nico Price. We've seen the cowboy, Rashad, just as you're ready to mark him as washed and done, dig deep and pull off. I mean, the Alexander Hernandez fight, dig deep and remind you exactly who he is. Um, I hope he can do that here because as much as Cowboy is like, you know, Zufa for life and the ultimate company man, it's hard to, for them to keep promoting you when you've suffered five straight defeats, especially many of them by knockout. I think we're going to see a Cowboy who's really going to pour it out in there. And this could be some freaking violent theater. Are you ready for this? I'm ready for this, and it's definitely going to be some violent theater. I mean, first of all, Nico Price is an absolute maniac inside the octagon. Uh, just looking at some of his highlights and some of the fights that he, you know, he, he's won, you know, he finds a way to get it done in the most odd and most bizarre ways sometimes. But he gets it done, and he's got a dog in him. You know, he's he's one of those guys that uh, he likes to take a beating before he goes in there and, and finish you off. And um, you know, Cowboy has to find a way to. To, to not even uh, give way to any of that. You know, he has to continue to put the pressure on right from the start and uh, dive into some of his, his game and some of his tools that he don't really use. I'm telling you, Cowboy has the most amazing jujitsu I've, I've ever, I've ever seen, but he doesn't use it enough. And I think if he started to use it enough as he gets older, he can squeeze out a few more years or, or, or a few more wins. Yeah, Cowboy Dad and his wife just had another child. I, I forgot what they named it, like something outdoorsy that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But shout out to the Cowboy family right there. Rashad, any other sub had quickly uh, jumping out to you on this card? I mean, I like me some Johnny Com Walker back. I, listen, listen, Kamzat Shemaev, hands down to me, hands down, is probably the best athlete fighter I've ever, ever seen in real life train. Wow. Swear to God, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not playing. I'm Forever, not playing. ever. Forever, like, ever? Uh, like, like, I mean, he's pretty dope, man. He's pretty dope. I was watching him train at Couture's gym uh, just a few days ago. And his creativity, his ability, his vision and sight is, is on the next level, man. He's, 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 I mean, like, he's. I can't say ever, ever, because, of course, I've seen some great challenges. But you I said would say, ever, ever, Rashad. You well, said I mean, it, bro, okay, okay, okay I, ever, ever is a long time. He's, <laughs> he's got some skill. I, I will say this. He's, he's, um, people should be worried about him. They really you know, should we, be we, worried about we him. We want to learn our lessons of overhyping guys. We talked about this a lot. But he, you know, because you, know, you can have a Sage Northcutt, you can have a Tom Dukinois, a uh, Duhu Choi. You know, these guys are like, oh, my God, they're going to be the next thing. And then it just doesn't happen. But he does really have that sort of next level thing going, not just his Listen. aggression, but the attitude for him to so easily rip all these elite fighters and call them out and laugh at them. I saw that video where he dropped Gustafson with a body shot and sparring. Uh, what's interesting here against Gerald Mearshart is they're already talking about making the Demian Maya fight for uh, Chimaev and, and Mir Mirshart not happy about that. He's taken the whole underdog overlooking me approach. Uh, that should make him fired up. This could be a good one, Rashad. This could be it it could be definitely be a good one. I mean, you know, uh, it will be a good one. I just, I just when I, when I look at Shemaev, you know, 
he has an ability on the ground and we've seen him just dominate guys on the ground and just have that Habib type game. But what I seen from him at Couture's gym was like some unboxed stuff. Like he was, he was honestly like, like doing some creative stuff and just the way he was moving in and out, um, his setups, his vision, seeing things coming at him. It was, uh, it was amazing, man. I think that, you know, when it comes to overall game, you know, he's, he's definitely top of the ladder in his weight class and soon the world is going to find out. This card also giving us a women's strawweight special, Mackenzie Dern and Randa Marcos, which whew, I can get down with that every day of the week. Uh, that's not the only big-time fisticuffs this weekend. Showtime Championship Boxing back, back at you with a bang. And this is, as we know, an absolutely loaded era for the 154-pound division, junior middleweight, super welterweight, whatever you want to call it. 99% uh, of the fighters that matter are under that that uh, that premier boxing champions banner we know a week from next weekend september 26th we're going to get that double charlo pay-per-view and specifically jermel charlo putting his title on the line against jason rosario who won those two titles at 154 by knocking out j-rock williams three of the four titles will be at stake well the winner of that fight could be on the hook to face the winner of this one on Saturday night when 25-year-old Erickson Lubin goes in there against Terrell Gaucher. Uh, Rashad, this is a sneaky good matchup here at 154 because Gaucher may have either lost or maybe not always looked the best when he stepped up to the very elite level, but I look at him as a sneaky out, a guy with Olympic pedigree and experience, a guy who can really box and he's tough. I thought he beat Austin Trout in his last fight, but he got a draw. Obviously, the big name coming in here is Erickson Lubin, the younger guy, but both guys can win this fight. And when you're talking about the winner being a mandatory for that WBC title and the fact that the winner of Charlo Rosario is going to have to fulfill that mandatory, we're starting to put the storylines together. You know, I beat this guy. I'm going to have to fight this guy. Division's loaded. We got Arislandi Lara. We got J-Rock Williams, Jarrett Hurd, Brian Castano, Tony Harrison. We got enough for like a 12-man tournament. But uh, how much have you seen, Rashad, of the hammer, Erickson Lubin? Because this guy's hungry. I've seen a bit of him. I watched a few highlights of him. Uh, you know, he's got super fast hands and just, um, you know, he, he's got that dog in him. You know, I think that, you know, um, being knocked out by Charlo is really kind of lit a fire under him. And he's kind of got this mentality where, you know, he feels like the underdog. He feels like people are counting him out. You know, um, there, there's there's nothing that's going to keep him down. I was watching some videos when he was training, you know, during the pandemic and was just, you know, mentally motivating himself. But, you know, he's, he knows that he talked himself into uh, talked himself into this fight. You know what I'm saying? Calling out Gosha and, and just, you know, talking all that trash. And whenever you talk that trash, you have to train at this level. You have to because that, that trash talking, that does not sit well when you got your butt whipped. <laughs> Yeah, look, Lupin is hungry. I have not see, heard this level of trash talk out of him before. I talked to him last week about this fight, and he's fired up. He thinks it's his time now to become the face of this division. We mentioned 25 years old, and he now thinks that loss to Jermel Charlo in 2017, first-round KO, it was devastating, right? He now looks at that as a blessing in disguise, something that he ultimately needed to have happen to him in order to... Uh, 
learn what he needed to learn. And since then, he's bounced back three, four good-looking wins. He retired Ishe Smith. He came in there against Nathaniel Gallimore in his last one and looked absolutely fantastic. Just shut him down. Uh, he's hungry and ready. He's got that big left hand. He called him the hammer for a reason. But he's a guy who could have gone the long Olympic amateur route and made that decision at, what, 18 to turn pro, originally promoted by Mike Tyson. And he's really working himself together. I love the relationship he's having right now with Coach Kevin Cunningham. He's a tough ass, doesn't take no crap, has a history of working well with southpaws like Devin Alexander. So this is going to be a good fight because Gaucher, if they make this a X's and O's battle, I could see him really banking some rounds and getting in there. It's going to be up to Lubin to let that left hand go and be the aggressor and make a statement here. And Rashad, as we mentioned, uh, I can't wait for that Charlo-Rosario fight. Uh, I love me some of these Lions only, Charlos, but uh, Jermel's going to have a fight. Have you seen this guy, Banana, Jason Rosario? It's a big right hand, brother. Yeah, yeah, he does have a big right hand, and uh, and Charlo's gonna have to watch out for that. You know, whenever you're going against a guy with that big right hand, it has the ability to get you out of there, that one big right hand. You can be hot for the whole night, but you always got to make sure that big right hand. But Charlo is so defensively sound, you know, and, and just and just got that that presence in in, in the uh, the ring that I don't think that big right hand is gonna be a factor. I think he's gonna find a way to neutralize it and just do what he does. Can't wait for that. Don't forget, September 26th, Showtime pay-per-view. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it the intermission, the halftime show, but MK's got you covered. Your boy BC, Luke Thomas, on the pay-per-view broadcast, right? 7 p.m. Eastern start. Two separate three-fight cards in the middle for a half hour. You're going to get yourself some morning combat, okay? So how about that, all right? I'll wear my best T-shirt. Let's do it. From the bubble, Mohegan Sun fired up indeed. That'll wrap it up for our big topics of the week. Rashad, we now transition to a segment where the people speak okay they want to be heard the viewers the listeners were deep in their ear hole each week it's time to hear dms from donks a uh, full disclosure here we have not been briefed on these so we're going to do it on the fly here at dip 3886 going to kick us off so rashad this one's a little bit sexy i like this with dustin poirier <laughs> having pulled out of the negotiations, claiming that the UFC doesn't want to pay him to fight Tony Ferguson at UFC 54, sorry, 254 in that co-main event. What would be your ideal choice to replace Poirier against Tony Ferguson? Dip has offered Michael Chandler or Charles Oliveira as potential options. I like that Michael Chandler. I think that'd be a great fight for Michael Chandler to come into. It'd be tough. It'd be a baptism by fire, but... At the same time, you know, Chandler's at a, you know, Chandler's not the youngest kid on the block. He don't have time to sit up there and march his way all the way up through the, uh, through the rankings. And you, he wants to come in there and make an impact. There would be no bigger impact. Oh God, he'd be a title challenger a- tomorrow if you won that fight. I mean, That's that'd be massive. Saying. Yeah. Whew. Um, I'm still interested to see where this free agency goes. If, if Chandler and Bellator can come back to terms and we can get, you know, into making that rematch with Pitbull. Or whether it's time, you know, at 34, looking great. It's time to go in the UFC. This is as tough of a, on the dream list of matchups for Michael Chandler to debut against, right? We talked about Paul oh, Felder yeah. would be great. Kevin, future champion Kevin Lee would be great. Yeah, Tony Ferguson would be even better. And if we can't get Poirier Ferguson, which I really think was going to be in the discussion for best non-title UFC fight in history, really. Rashad, it's up there with Evans versus Rampage, right? First guy to tear the door off the socket. (laughs) People forget, hey, it did a million pay-per-view buys back when, hey. They forget. I don't want to say back when that meant something. It means something today to do a million-plus pay-per-view buys, all right? So shout out to that grudge match and the power of the ultimate fighter back then in drawing ratings. Um. Give us a full disclosure here on the set of Tough with with uh, with Rampage Jackson. A, 
was that door uh, made out of anything but flypaper? And B, <laughs> did you guys really come close to breaking contracts and throwing in the uh, in the tough house? Yeah, that 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 door was a cardboard door, pretty much. Uh, they expect them to get broke. Fighters lose all the time and punch them, so they make them pretty flimsy. Uh, and yeah, we, we came to blows, almost came to blows a few times to the point where, you know, Dana had to, you know, like put us to the side and be like, listen, 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 we, we cannot have you guys fight at all because it was getting to the point where every single time we see each other, it was like on sight. That's still the best season of tough. Now that's the heavyweight season, correct? Yeah. Heavyweight season. That, that had Kimbo, Roy Nelson, Mitrione, Showtime's Brendan Schaub checking in yeah. there as well. So, uh, oh, yeah. you got a any good of memories of, of, did you coach Schaub? Nah, yeah, I did. I did. I did coach him. I coached Schaub. Yep. We'll forgive him for him picking Connor to knock out Floyd. But outside of that, we love ourselves some Brendan Schaub <laughs> in these parts. All right. Uh, Rashad. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Ferguson, uh, Connor would be great. Not going to happen. If it's either of those names mentioned, if it's uh, anyone from Felder to, to Kevin Lee, it, really, you can't go wrong here. You do want a really big one, though. You want to reward Ferguson for taking the the interim title opportunity against Gaethje on such short notice. Obviously, if either Habib or Gaethje get hurt, Tony's going to be the one who slides in there. So a lot of big things. But you want to get Ferguson something soon because I think the fact that he stayed out for so long was the main reason why uh, he got smashed up against, against Gaethje like that. Fair. Very fair. I mean, not saying, not 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 trying to take anything away from Gaethje. I'm just saying, like, I think that you know the starting and stopping and just not being active is really what uh, costs. No, Rashad, reason. this is the real show. We take things away from people on the show, right? Okay? <laughs> I'll take away your innocence if you watch this enough. Okay, thank you. Hey, let's move on from Danny from at Danny Warner G. Danny Warner G. He says, if Habib is so focused on legacy. Why has he never talked about going up a weight class and doing the double champ thing? Ooh, interesting, Rashad. Um, I don't know if I've ever heard Habib say it or be against it. I mean, could you imagine him wanting a Kamaru Usman for all the marbles champ champ welterweight bout? Um, no, nah, I can't because that, that, that right there is, is um, it would be too ego-driven. For Habib, I think that you know he's 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 one of those fighters who, uh, you know, he wants to beat everyone in his weight class, and, and he doesn't you know feel the need to go up or anything like that. I feel like he, and especially since he has a relationship with Kamaru, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't think that he would do that. I think if if it was somebody like GSP out of weight class, I think that would be the only exception. But I think he's a, he's he's trying to just solidify things in his own weight class. And look, Danny Warner G has written this in a in a sense that it sounds like he's sort of taking a shot at Habib. Um, I get it. Now, you know, there is a holy grail element in becoming a, a two-division champion to a degree. I also think it's been overplayed and bastardized, and more people have gotten opportunities at that than maybe didn't deserve it. I mean, look, like that Holly Holm GDR fight could have gone the other way, and Holm could have been a two-division champion. Doesn't mean, you know, that, that changes her legacy too much. Uh Good God, Durandamy could have been a two-division champion if right. she had beat Amanda at that time. So, you know, Cejudo got it at a time. I didn't think he deserved it, yet since then he's said, look, I'm one of the best ever. You know, fight me on that, and I think he's right. Um, I don't think it's a slight against Habib. He has the opportunity, Rashad, and you and I talked about this ad nauseum on our podcast, that should he go the distance, beat Gaethje, and then do that retirement bout next April, whether it's against Tony, Connor, GSP, whatever – in this modern day era, good lord, if you retire undefeated at this level, 
That's an that's yes. a you know it's both equally overrated and underrated, but at the same time, it's super impressive to be able to do that. He will be in that conversation with John Jones if he pulls it off, whether Luke Thomas wants to believe it or not. Absolutely, absolutely, and that and that to me. It, that solidifies his legacy more than anything. And like you said, I think too much has been made about the double champ and all that stuff. You know, it, it's it's truly about the body of work and and who you've beaten and the way you've beat him. And you know, I don't I don't think that he's even lost a round. You know, I think maybe he lost maybe one round. One to Connor. And well, one to Con- well, let's be honest. Connor. Your boy Glyson Tebow won a couple rounds against him, but the judges didn't recognize it. But Connor has officially won a round against him. Yeah, Connor, Connor won a round against him. That's right. Connor did win a round against him. So, I mean, that that's greatness. That's legacy right there. Now, obviously, if any Habib legacy discussion, you're going to counter back and look at the injuries, the time off, the uh, the fa- times he couldn't take fights due to fasting, all that stuff. He didn't fight in the end if he only has two more the amount of names we would have loved him to, but when you go that that type of stretch with losing one round, I mean, I'm sorry, like you're, you you know, he will smash your boy. He's he's the real. So there it is. I smash. Right. I smash. Yeah, just send him the damn location. Uh, from at <laughs> Leah M O'Brien. I can't tell if this is an Irish male or if this is a lady. Wow, we got some females watching the show. Shout out to that. They want to know Rashad Evans of all your walkout songs in your career. Which one was your favorite? Step into a world. The 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 the, the uh, KRS One song. Step oh, nice. into a world, man. Yeah, that was. What stretch of your fights did you use that? I use it for a little bit. I use it when I fought Rampage, and I use it like during that during that whole time. I I think I changed it up once I lost a few times, but. Okay. Whatever fight, whatever song you used against Sam Alvey, let's never let's <laughs> delete it I from your I, iTunes account. I think I didn't, I didn't. I think I didn't come out to no music to that. Song. No, no, <laughs> I think yeah, yeah, that was it. Uh, who, what did you choose against John? Was that KRS one against John Jones? I don't know. I wasn't KRS one. I can't remember what I used against John Jones. I what, know, Rashad, what is the biggest like? You you have a Hall of Fame career. You freaking knocked out Chuck Liddell with one punch. You also won the UFC title. But you had that big selling pay-per-view with Rampage. You had the damn, um, you know, grudge match with John. What's the, what's the biggest night of your career? Not in terms of like accomplishment. What do you think was the highest platform you reached? Was it the John fight? Um. Yeah. Uh, I mean that mattered. That yeah. Mattered it, sure. No, it did. It, it did matter. It did matter. Uh, but I think the Rampage one was was a true one because I think that one kind of pulled people in more. You know what I'm saying? Because of the beef with me and Rampage and the fact that it was on, you know, uh, on Ultimate Fighter show and it was, you've seen him beef for weeks and weeks and weeks. So it had much more of a build up, you know? Yeah. How about two black men pull, pulling off one million buys on the pay-per-view there? A lot of people uh, got behind that. Same thing with Angela Hill becoming the first African-American female this past weekend to uh, headline a UFC card. So good on all of that. Uh, let's go on at Crowned Terror. Rashad, everybody always asks... Who hit the hardest? But with all respect, who hit you and you thought to yourself, wow, I didn't even feel that. Love you guys. Thanks. A little bit of a loaded <laughs> question here, Rashad. <laughs> um, who, who hit me hardest? I think Keith Jardine hit me the hardest. I remember fighting Keith Jardine. That was a great fight, hit, by the way, from the Ultimate Fighter. People never talk about that fight. Yeah, that was a great fight. He hit me and uh, like... I remember, like, for a minute, I went out, 
And then I woke up and then I thought the referee hit me. You know what I'm saying? Because it was just like one of those, it was like one of those things, you know? It was Mazzagatti, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that was one of them. And, and, the, and the hardest blow I ever received in a fight that I f- immediately felt, because sometimes you don't really immediately feel the, the hits in a fight, was when I got kicked in the eye against, uh, against, um, oh my gosh, I took my tongue. Not Glover, not Glover. It was uh, Sam Hoger. Sam Hoger, oh, one yes, of my first yes. fight. He it was a third round. Everything was going beautiful, and he threw a kick, and it hit me in the eye, and immediately it was like the worst pain I've ever felt in my life, man. It was terrible, but that that was it. And who All did right, I fight? The sp- that just you know didn't. the real spirit of this question, Rashad. They want to know. With all respect, who hit you and you thought to yourself, wow, I didn't even feel that. I know the story you're about to tell. Tell the damn Machida story. Do it. <laughs> no, no, I can't say it. What I mean, Machida, Machida did. He, at first, he wasn't really thumping with anything, but then he did come with some power. But I'll say whoever pun- who punched me, I just didn't really feel it. Um, uh, um, believe it or I, I would I would say... Believe it or not, it was probably it was probably Brad Imes. Brad Imes hit You're me. Just walking the, through those. You're walking through the big. Six yeah, I, 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 well, I remember. I remember he hit me with a couple punch, and I was like, they didn't hurt as bad as I, I thought they would hurt. You know what I'm saying? I thought I you remember, were gonna set me up with the uh, Machida, give you a little okey doke, little tap, 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 and then he brought the pain. All right. You, you know. You know. Here's here's the thing about it. it's like, like when you get punched in a fight. You know, if if it's always the ones you don't see, that's always the one that rock you. Even if the guy doesn't have much power, those are the ones that rock you because you don't have a chance to brace for it. So, um, you know, that's why it makes it hard to say who hits the hardest. You know what I'm saying? Because all these guys got different powers compared to just based on how much you are ready for it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Love the insight. Thank you. Uh, from at Brian C. Campbell, Rashad, which Shevchenko sister do you think is hotter? Oh, sorry. That was that was, uh, <laughs> that was, that was, that was me. Um, at Guwap Macaroni. Is there there's some racial slurs in there? I don't know. But Rashad, if it was allowed, would you fight on acid or shrooms? Wow. Very woke question here for 2020 medication. Um, I, I, shrooms, 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 definitely. Uh, you know, I, I used to train on shrooms. I'll do a microdose and I'll train on shrooms. Wow. You make, yeah, you just can't make sure, you got to make sure you just don't do too much. But what happens, you know, whenever I trained on, on shrooms is it kind of like, uh, it makes everything slow down, like the matrix. It, it, it was crazy. You just got to make sure you do the right dose because you, you know, uh, you can get into that zone where you kind of feel a little too good, and then then it's not good for sparring. But there wow. there is a we certain. You got you saw on line one here, Rashad. <laughs> Retroactively, yeah. There there is a certain dose where you can you can get you can take and you just be totally plugged in. I know some fighters who actually fight on on mushrooms and they and they love it. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I guess we're gonna have to end that story there. But uh, <laughs> uh, what would it take to have a morning combat outing? in which you, myself, Luke Thomas, I don't know, we went to like Joshua Tree and we licked toads together and had the <laughs> cameras rolling. And uh, I'll, I'll dig deep, Rashad. I'll, I'll find the inside of myself, okay? Let's do it. I think, I think that would be a great idea, man. I think it, we got the cameras rolling. I think that we'll, we'll have a very uh, cathartic experience. I got, a, I got a perfect shaman. His name is Producer Jay. Can we bring him in? Jay, are you there? <laughs> Jay? Jay, would you, Jay, would you facilitate this, Jay? 
Uh, I would facilitate it. I don't know how much uh, partaking I would do in all the uh, good times, but um, I would definitely facilitate it. I think it would be good entertainment. Jay, you know Quality. they're calling you uh, Jet Engine Jay on, on social media. You know you had a rough week. People are coming for you, uh, coming for your job, coming for your reputation. Um, somebody slid into my DMs, and uh, I immediately bought a new Nest camera. I'm just going to leave it there. I did send it to you for proof, though, in case, uh, you know, things go too killed. far. Rashad, yeah. success brings out haters, right? I mean, yeah, I absolutely, absolutely. You, know, you one time had to beat up those drunken dudes in that hotel room, right? Great. Story. <laughs> uh, Rashad, that'll wrap up that. Why don't we go into, uh, I don't know, the greatest segment in combat sports history. Here's what it is, Rashad. We scour the globe for the good, the bad, the ugly from combat sports and beyond. You haven't seen these videos. I want your immediate reaction. It is. Have you seen this shit? Jay, hit me with the horns money. All right, Rashad. We start from Saturday night, UFC fight night in Las Vegas, the post-game show on ESPN. Karen Bryant, Rashad Evans, and Anthony Smith shopping at the same store. Rashad, what's going on here, bro? Oh, my gosh. Look, I had no idea he was even going to wear that. Look, we, we even talk about what we're going to wear on wardrobe day. Uh, and he surprised me with the whole the whole exact because Anthony was saying, yeah, I got a blue suit and he just left it at that. So I'm like, OK, he said it's a little bit different than yours. And he's seen the color of my suit. So I didn't think anything of it. Next day, he pulls out a damn near identical suit. <laughs> yeah, it was and a tie. It, it was, was awesome. Uh, is there any sort of tension because you guys have shared the octagon before? No, we're actually really, really cool, man. We're like, we're like really cool, like really good friends. It's, it's surprising. Awesome. It was kind of weird at first, but then like, uh, I don't know. It just kind of feels like we're just like natural friends. It was Yeah, Luke weird. Thomas's favorite fighter of all time. Don't let him hear any differently. All right, we also had some highlights from this card. Hit me with it, Jay. Lightweight's Otman Isatar sending Kama Worthy to the deep, dark depths, Rashad. Ooh. How about this KO1? Yeah, that right there was was amazing because nobody knows who Otman is. And, uh, you know, you look at him and he doesn't seem as if like he should hit that hard. But his in the pocket punching, the education going high, low, going back high again. That's some good boxing. And when you got that kind of punching. Yeah, Worthy had been red hot. And you told me before the fight, Otman was live. They call you Mystic Shot on CBS Sports HQ due to your betting picks, Rashad. You're on fire. You're absolutely on fire, all right? Hey, I mean, you know, I do pick them. I do pick them. All right. Speaking of that, let's go deeper on the card. Featherweights, Billy Quarantillo was in a war with Kyle Nelson. A lot of back and forth, but we open up round three, seven seconds in. One hitter. Quitter, Rashad, because that's all it took. This guy, Billy Q, don't call him Quarantillo. He's removing that pronunciation from his name. Um, he's on fire, Rashad. He gets hit, though, but he's on fire. Man, Billy Q is, first of all, he's from Western New York. He's from Ransomville. That's pretty close to where I, I grew up from, I grew up at. And um, he can get it done on the ground. He can strike. But that power that he showed in that right hand and the vision that he showed, it just shows this guy has a high ceiling. But that that punch, hearing it live, it was like, oh, my, I grabbed my eye. It was just so concussive and loud. It, it, it had a thud to it where it, when you were there, you like it sounded like something broke, like he broke an orbital socket or something. Oof. 
He's been under the radar, one of the biggest uh, surprises of the quarantine, right? Hannah Cypher's oh, yeah. still taking quarantine L's, unfortunately, but this is Billy Q <laughs> rising. Uh, let's move on. Heavyweight's on this undercard. Rashad, somebody's getting beat by a man with titties. It's Alexander Romanov giving the fat guy suplex on Roki Martinez. Hey, this guy Romanov afterwards was calling out the entire division. Um, I, I, I don't know how they made 265, Rashad, but you down with this guy? I mean, he had some hell of a throws, but he has a nice B cup too, or maybe C cup. But listen, he can get down. I mean, when when it comes to what the heavyweight division uh, is lacking, he has what they're lacking. So he can definitely go in there and make an impact. But I, I need to see more with the hands. You know, I didn't really get to see what he had to offer from his hands and really transition it into some meaningful grappling uh, takedowns. Michael Bisping had the joke that this uh, checked the reinforcement of the octagon. It reminded me of the greatest fat guy suplex of all time. We go back in the Wayback Machine to 2011 WWE Raw. Mark Henry getting the big show up, Rashad. Very reminiscent of Saturday Night, only the ring couldn't hold him. Oh, my gosh. That's exactly what it was. I I couldn't believe that throw. And then he had the nerve to throw his, his corner afterwards. But, I mean, look at this throw right here. Dang, that's a lot of power right there. That had to be yeah, every bit of like fake. 800 pounds. Luke Thomas <laughs> would not allow this if he was here. All right, let's go on. Bellator 246, the co-main event. Neiman Gracie submitting 42-year-old John Fitch with a kind of interesting reverse uh, 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 knee bar, uh, whatever you call that thing, Rashad. But afterwards, Mr. Fitch leaving the gloves in the center of the cage. Uh, Rashad, he's had a very sort of demonized career, yet you look, there's a lot of wins on that career. He called it, I'm too old, I'm 42, there's nothing left to accomplish. How will you remember John Fitch, uh, good or bad? Uh, good. You know, he, he he was a really good fighter, and then um, the fighting game kind of made him cynical and just kind of, he lost his love for fighting, and once he lost his love for fighting, you know, just the passion and, and what he put behind it kind of went his way as well, and he kind of lingered on for a while. But, um, you know, he was a force, and, and he definitely was, uh, at one time, one of the toughest guys in the UFC. Uh, Dana White never loved him. Uh, there was a lot of, like, Cinemax B-movie level sex positions he'd pull off. But, you know, he had won something like seven in a row, then had the draw with Rory McDonald, and then this fight. So he had been active and successful in, uh, in World Series of Fighting onto Bellator. But uh, he moves on after their big win for Naaman Gracie, who needed it. We go on to top-ranked boxing over the weekend, Rashad. Exodus Kavlyuskis, uh, Mean Machine is back, rebounding from that loss to Terrence Crawford on the title level by sending Mikhail Zuski to hell. Uh, afterwards, he called out Bud Crawford, but Rashad, I don't need to see that fight again. No, nah, no. Nah. I mean, look, the, the way he got dusted off real quick, I mean, the, the way to come back and everything like that, When look at the way he just blazed him across the ring right there. I mean, it is... I feel you, BC. We don't need uh, to see In gross again. boxing of the week, we go to Moscow. Uh, UFC and Bellator veteran heavyweight Sergei Karatanov making his pro boxing debut against two 47-year-old Danny Williams, the guy from Britain who knocked out Mike Tyson like 18 years ago. Uh, Karatanov won a KO2, TKO, excuse me, when Williams uh, just stopped fighting and the ref waved it off. But Rashad, this didn't make the headlines. His entrance is what made the headlines. Have you seen this shit, Rashad Evans? I haven't we seen We got this an shit. 80s level rock band 
playing, uh, looks like Zach Wilde right there. And we've got a live bear, Rashad. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. A lot, oh, my. Wow. Uh, that, they do things a little bit differently on damn, the Yamruski side. That looked like the damn bear that Habib was wrestling at <laughs> one time. <laughs> uh, many, uh, many a PETA supporter, including Luke Thomas, had issues with this on Twitter. But, Rashad, look at the 80s vibe, the dancing chicks, the uh, guitar solos. I'm, I'm kind of here for this. I'm sorry. All right? I'm sure that bear's happy. They probably put him to sleep with a laser gun afterwards, but I'm sure he's very happy, Rashad. <laughs> Imagine if that bear would have went apeshit and just bit everybody. <laughs> Do you, you remember in the early 2000s when we used to get high all the time and watch uh, celebrity boxing on Fox, but then it kind of ran its course, so they had that man versus animal show? Yeah. You remember yeah. Um, Kobayashi had the hot dog eating contest against the bear? And the bear yeah. basically just sat there, stared at the camera, and then picked up like 27 of them with his claw and ate them in one bite. Uh, great moments in TV history there, Rashad. I know you saw that. Right? <laughs> Have right, you seen this? Let's move on here. Uh, Rashad, we all want to be there for our kids and our daughters, but uh, if you're a dad, you got to know about uh, weight limits here if you're going to get on your daughter's bike. Um, oh, no, shout out to me. this guy with the socks and sandals and... Uh, Little girl's bike, you've been sent to hell. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. That bike is never going to be the same. <laughs> that bike, he just got it from, he, they just got it from the store. Yeah, that's Walmart approved right there. Oh, and, that is uh, definitely Walmart approved. He probably is, hasn't rode a bike in yeah. so long. Oh, All man. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look at that handle, fat people video <laughs> shout out to that on instagram uh we go on to spinny shit of the week rashad we love we love ourselves some, some good spinny and bad spinny shit. shit check out this dance instructor oh god i mean you gotta you gotta warn you're dealing with children here fellow what are you doing what's going on here rashad? oh my gosh but the worst part about that whole video is not the fact that he did it was he didn't even check on the child no, he's no. sitting there just in in all that he did it look at the child the child's knocked out cold buddy Rashad, this is the uh, the showmanship era on social media. He knows the cameras are running, so he wants to finish the shot, you know, before checking in. Oh god, that kid! That, that kid, kid is knocked out cold. That kid is knocked out. That Yikes. kid is probably concussing yeah. right now. Jay, Jay, sorry, child services on line one. Jay, can we roll on here? Uh, can we, what's next in the in the lineage here of spinny shit? Oh god, it's Raymond Daniels, the forty year old oh, no. kickboxing mixed martial arts superstar. Uh, Rashad, can you go to church and light a candle for this fella called uh, Patrick Stanonic? Because he didn't just get a spinning back kick to the crotch once and waited five minutes for his man parts to come back. He got it twice. Uh, Rashad, there are certain noises we just shouldn't hear, right? Our parents in the upstairs, we shouldn't hear that. A grown man with no one in the crowd guttural screaming did you hear the guttural screams that came out yeah. of this after the second one he was diagnosed with a i think a groin contusion is that black balls he got blackballed rashad that is just that's as bad as it gets bro give me something you, here you knew it was painful when he doubled over and then he starts hitting the ground because he just can't get the pain out like the screaming is not getting the pain out enough you know what i'm saying like only thing that was missing in that pose was his feet just banging off the back of the canvas. Oh. That was the only thing missing in that pose. But the, the velocity in which Raymond Daniels probably threw that kick in the oh my gosh, this because he's on power. like the Kung Lee program. Yeah, like he's, they put him in there just to do spinny stuff. And um, you know, I don't I don't mean to be ill humane here, but 
as a man, knowing what, what this, you know, a tenth of what this feels like, if they would have shot Patrick Stanonic, I mean, it would have been murder, but it would have put him out of his misery, Rashad. Yeah, I mean, and, and here's the thing, like, the, the, the cup, like, normally you think, like, when people get hit in nuts, I'm like, all right, come on, you got a cup on, especially with the right cup with, like, a steel cup. You don't really feel it that much, so I, I, I don't really, like, I'm kind of bothered when people do that, but this yeah. right here, that would yeah. probably go through any steel cup. That would it, it, that go through your soul, Rashad. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's ever going to fight or walk again. He's definitely not having kids. So, hey, he had a good run there, Patrick Stenonik. Uh We all grieve with you. Uh, let's roll on, Jay. What do we got next here? Oh, yeah, there it is. There it is. Just let that out. Oh, here's the video of the week, Rashad. Check out the athleticism here. Do not try this at home. We've all been there, though. We get down the wrong subway platform. We're going to miss our train. Look at Carl Lewis wow. here. Good Lord. Mike Powell, that's insane. Whoa. Whoa. Sign him wow. up. For something. That, is that parkour, Rashad? What is that? Wow. That's hood parkour. That is. That is right there. <laughs> Look at that. that man just put his life on the line for our entertainment. Shout out man. right there. Wow. It looked right. like he has done this many times too. Like this is what he does. Like this is what he does. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, I know the world long jump record is like twenty nine feet, so it's probably not that ridiculous. But just the, the danger of the uh, yeah. Okay. Hey, let's go on from here. Uh, another knockout. I don't know if you saw this, Rashad. Tuesday night, Dana White contender series from the Apex. Tell me about Philip Hawes landing this one. Damn. Next stop, Hades, Rashad. <sighs> Amazing shot and such a well-deserved uh, job, such a well-deserved for, for Phil Haas, who, you know, had his struggles making it and performing at this level on the scene with the UFC. And now with that that big right hand, he gets a contract. And, you know, Phil is somebody I trained with way back in the day, and he's, you know, come back around to the team. And now he's clicking on all cylinders and just feeling himself and mentally dialed in. He's going to be tough. Yeah, Haas, you've seen that shit. I have. All right, let's go on to uh, ladies working out here. She's got a good setup. She's got a good plan. Rashad, what is that? What is on those pants? What, what is the hell are the... we doing here? Look at the what unit is... on that guy, Rashad. What are we doing? What is happening here? What What am I seeing? What am I uh... looking at here? That's. I, I feel like I shouldn't even be looking there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I just uh... can't help. <laughs> Chicks with sticks. No, that is a that is a print design on her pants. There, uh, that makes what? me uncomfortable, Jay. I'm sorry. Can we get in out of that? World. All right. Hey, Rashad, you ever see those Papa Shot things in the basement? Check out this guy, two hand slam dunk champion. Wow. <laughs> you look like he might have broke his back on that one. <laughs> Your back don't bend that way, man. Doctor said you need a backyotomy. Spinal, Rashad. Yes. All right. Yeah. Okay. It's spinal. <laughs> All right, Rashad. I know you live your life a quarter mile at a time, like Dom Toretto. So check out this car chase in England. It is both fast and furious. Look at this. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. But Look, Look at, at he this. can escape now. Now that that's something off of a movie. Like if you you see that in a movie, like that would never happen. That's no. like you know what I'm saying. But it does. It does happen. We just seen it. That's something that also guy. like you see in Florida because in South Florida, <laughs> you see the craziest accents. You see cars flipped over, people running around. You see crazy stuff. As in our Florida. resident Florida man, Rashad confirms. I like you. Like oh my god, you would only see that in a movie. Oh, actually, in South Florida, you probably see that. <laughs> All right. Hey, Rashad, we got one from the archives. Our viewer, Ahmed Atia, sent this in. 
Uh, you know your manager? Manager of the Stars, Ali Abdelaziz? Check him oh, out. yeah. 2007 at Heroes 8, going in there against former uh, UFC title challenger, Kale Uno. Oh, my gosh. He, Look at this one. Now, this full is, disclosure, uh, uh, Ali ended up tapping in this one. Submission loss, but... Um, Look at this. Look at this. That's a takedown, Rashad. Yeah, he has some moments. He actually threw him a couple times. Ali has some uh, sneaky good judo. And it's surprising. Like, Ali can Ali can really fight. And and when I was fighting for, uh, training for Sean Salmon, Ali was my main training partner. I learned how to throw that kick so good because... Ali's a southpaw, and I was kicking him in the head with that kick. <laughs> now, your, your, your head kick of poor Sean Salmon is running every highlight reel of great UFC moments. Um, did Ali get some of that sauce during training? Yeah, that's how I perfected it on okay. Ali. Okay. Well, that's what, you know, what happens in sparring supposedly stays in sparring, but I think the statute of limitations have passed on it there. It passed. It's uh, look, our viewer of the week, shout out to this guy once again, this couple. They're touring the country. It's Bill and Jen's RV Adventure on Instagram. We love Bill. Check him out, Rashad. This week they're at North Cascades National Park in Washington State wearing the MK merch there. Very comfortable uh, green shirt. We'll have to get you outfitted in that. Rashad, are you a National Parks guy? I am. I love that shot, too. Where is that at? That's at North Cascades National Park. It's up on the Canadian border Washington State. It's supposed to be the... Wow. the U, they call it the U.S. Alps, Rashad, all right? It's they got beautiful. some nice uh, tite-shaped mountains up there. I'm a big fan of that, you know? <laughs> Shout out to Bill and Jen. They are still... I don't know if they work. I don't know what's going on. We love Bill in these parts. Uh, also, one of our viewers, at Greg All 31 sent in... He actually did go to show.store.com and got in on the merch. He ordered the mug, but... Uh, Jay, what is going on here? Can you talk to people in shipping? Well, first, Bill. Bill, with the with the point. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Jay, can you advance the slide, please? Yeah, that's not good. Uh, the thank oh, you, man. U.S. Postal Service ruining that. Jay, can we bring you in here? Jay? <laughs> Jay, can, can, we, can you personally see that Greg gets a new mug or what? Uh, I'm sure I'll be blamed for this, uh, as I'm blamed for everything else that goes wrong on this show. Yes. <laughs> is that on us or is that on the uh, shipping? That's on the Postal Service, right? Uh, I'm sure it was not uh, on us. It would definitely be on the uh, nice shipping fellows. At the point. If we have to blame somebody, let's blame the post office. All right, we close with this, Rashad. We have a listener who's more like family. He lives in Italy. He is the Greek god of graphics and thunder, Christos Christophoros, who every week just gives us these goodies of uh, posters he makes. Rashad, my favorite action movie of all time is Marked for Death, and check out what he did for me here. Seagal goes Campbell. Uh, Jay, can you read that, what the poster says? I can't see it, Jay. Not, not a word of it. Not right, one word. Um, hopefully uh, one of our viewers with like one of those big 50-inch screens can Yes, uh, people do it, watch yeah. us on those. But, uh, I've Rashad, seen, those. I've seen those posts online, yeah. Rashad, I got to get this printed out and put put behind me. I mean, this is just fantastic. That I mean, that was that. Now that was the one with the Jamaicans in it, right? Damn right, that screw was. Screwface, no, 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 screwface. Oh, who did that? The white boy Hacha. Did the white dead. boy Hacha? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Rashad. Let's be honest. Who took the worst death in action movie history? Was it Screwface number one or two? I mean, you know, they both uh, got their. Right. Uh, yeah, they got their junk sliced up with a sword. Yeah, they got yeah. They yeah. got beheaded. BC, do you have it? Do you have a knife like that at home? Is that uh, I is do that part not. Of your I'm, I'm not allowed blunt weapons in this house. Or, uh, Jay, thank you very that much. That is not blunt. <laughs> that does not look blunt at all. No. Uh, let's go on to a little little bit of uh, odds and ends here to close the show. And I will start, Rashad. 
Um, you were there, so I want to bring you in on this. This bizarre situation going on. Short Fuse Ed Herman was in a light heavyweight bout against Mike Rodriguez. He was getting beat up. There was a knee to the body, and Herman went down. And after Chris Toyoni, the referee, Tognoni, Toyoni, uh, Toyota, came in there, waved off, gave him the five-minute break, ruled it a low blow. Rashad, the replay showed clearly that it was a hard knee to the stomach and it looked like it would have knocked Herman out because he covered up into the shell and was getting plastered with punches. Here's the deal, though, that got people upset. Ed Herman milked it, took like the full five minutes, recovered from this second round knee in which he looked out, and then rallied to win the damn fight afterwards, Rashad. Um, Let's talk about this because I have praised... Lionheart Anthony Smith in the past. He could have been your light heavyweight champion against John Jones if he sold that DQ. Tell me if I'm wrong or not on that illegal strike. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, uh Ed Ed did what he 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 did what the referee allowed him to do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, should have Ed been like, all right, look, I'm faking. Look, I got <laughs> yeah. I don't know, because he 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 might have not have really known that he, he didn't get hit. In his in his junk or how low that blow was because in, in all in all honesty sometimes when you get hit in the liver it sends a shot of pain and it and it hits you it hits you it hits your butt you know what I'm saying you like it feels like you need to boo boo for a second so he could have thought it was a low blow but at the same time the referee needed to be in position not even be in position he needed to take a second to kind of look at how. Uh, just, it was it was it was just bad. It was just terrible altogether. Um, very unfortunate. Very unfortunate because the next round uh, he got caught in, in this, uh, uh, a kimura that nasty that you, kimura that you never see. You never see anyone get caught in a kimura like this. Not at this level. Not not like that. Unreal. Would you call that white belt shit? Is that what they call it? That that was white belt ish shit. Yes, for sure. Okay. Like. Um, he, so here's he, the deal. Like, I don't want to damn Ed Herman either. It, it, it's a smart manipulation of the rules if he knew better. Look, the replay showed he got hit flush in the kind of mid-stomach, but the knee did slide down, and I think it did at least catch contact with the groin on the way out. So I know, in a fight, you're right, Rashad. I gotta, we got to respect that in a fight, your mind is <laughs> in a few different places when you're getting hit. Afterwards, he was like, I'm not really sure what it hit, but I felt it. But... This has like the feeling of like a soccer match and all the flopping or the NBA flopping. This has a feeling of sort of milking the system. Would would the respectful thing have been to like take a 10 seconds and then get back and be like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. Or do, yeah, are you OK yeah. with when the system gives you this? Do you take it? <sighs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, yes. If the system gives it to you, then, then you have to take it. You have to take it because here's why you have to take it. There is going to come a time where something comes up short against you. You know what I'm saying? You're going to come up on a shorter than a stick. And that's how it works. Like eventually, you know, it, it, it for some, somehow, some way, this will find its balance. It'll balance out some way, somehow. And you You're even see Ed Herman will get sent, life will send Ed Herman to hell eventually. So it'll be. <laughs> Karma's uh, real. I, like, I don't know. It's kind of like you go to Walmart and you, you know, you buy something with a $20 bill and they give you back like, you know, $22 and change and you don't <laughs> yeah, realize it until right. you're walking out and you're like, oh, right. whoa. Oh, I guess it's my day today and you keep going. I guess it's equivalent of that, right? Equal to that. Yeah. I All mean, right. 
It's it's a referee's job to to uh, not make that mistake at all. Well, let's add Chris Tagnoni. If I'm, how do you pronounce this name, Chris Tagnoni? I think so. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, shout out to the UFC for paying Mike Rodriguez his winner share, even though he technically lost this by submission. But Dana White, I don't know if you heard it, he went off Ooh, at the presser yeah. afterwards. Rashad, he was using words like Steve Mazagati. So look, um. Dana White doesn't use the N-word, but the equivalent of the N-word for Dana White is using <laughs> Steve Mazzagatti, and he compared that to this situation and basically wants to see where this guy never works again. Uh, I think this can be fixed with a change in the replay rule, which under that fight's terms, you could only replay a fight-ending scenario. But obviously, when a situation like this could affect the end of the fight so greatly, which it did... Can we just change the damn unified rules and not have it where every other state has a different set and we're not really sure which state we're in at the moment? Like, please? Absolutely, because here, here's the reality of the situation. Um, you're going to make a mistake. And, and as I was saying in the beginning, you know, that was a perspective that he couldn't see. He couldn't see that perspective, that angle. Uh, and there's so many things to watch and watching so many things all at a split second. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's really it, it. I do understand Dana White's frustration. I do understand where he's coming from, where he's mad at. But at the same time, there has to be a system set in place where if something does happen like that, where the referee couldn't see it from some other angle and there's some kind of uh, controversy, it can be review, reviewed. I would love if somebody could get Mazagati and Dana White in the same room, at the same table, maybe put like a, a jail-like clear screen between them and then just have them go at it and just argue. That'd be great, Rashad. That'd be great TV, okay? Mazagati uh, ref me when I fought Forrest Griffin. And you know how I was hitting Forrest at the end and it was over and I looked up at Mazagati to stop and he didn't, he, he, you know, after he stopped a little bit. Afterwards, Dana was so pissed off, man. He was so pissed off. He wanted me to just like, he's like, bro, I see you looking up from the stop, and he won't fucking, he won't stop it. He won't stop it. <laughs> the thing is, Mazzucati still goes to fights. He doesn't ref anymore, but he works for the Las Vegas Commission. So he's the guy a lot of a lot of the UFC fights that sits next to the cage with a referee's uniform on, like an old school black and white striped referee's uniform, and he's like the the like the timekeeper type commission guy that's right there, making sure everything's regulated. It's interesting how he's – I'm sure Dana loves that, by the way. All right, Rashad, my other quick point was on that Bellator rollout of announcements, uh, put a put a pin in Thursday night, October 29th from the Mohegan Sun bubble. It's going to air uh, 9 p.m. Eastern on the CBS Sports Network. This Bellator card, I'm not sure what number it is, but welterweight champion Douglas Lima is officially moving up, and he's going to fight Gegard Mousasi for the promotion's vacant 185 title. Uh, Rashad, this is daring to be awesome from our guy, Doug Lima, who, you know, of course, we can rightfully say, I'd like to find out where he actually ranks among the best welterweights in the world. But here's the deal about Bellator, Rashad, okay? Sometimes we can frame Bellator, we can focus too much on the old guy fights. We can focus too much on, well, you could go there to rehab yourself. And yes, if you want to, you could go there to take soft matchmaking. You could also go there if you want to be great. And take one tough-ass fight after another, which Lima's doing. Good God, he fought Rory, and then what? Uh, he fought Rory again, and then he fought... I mean, now he's going to fight Gegard. I mean, this guy, you know, he won the welterweight Grand Prix. He showed you he's absolutely legit. 
Now he's going to move up to middleweight to find out how great he can be. I love this so much. Inject me. Rashad, right now, I'm right here. Right here, okay? I want it. Please. <laughs> I love it. I love it, too. And I love that Lima's uh, challenging himself like this because this is what it's all about. You know, you get a chance to compete against somebody as uh, as talented and, and, and as good as uh, Gegard Musasi. You know, you arrive on another level when you can uh, beat a guy like that. So, uh, yeah, this is what it's all about. But, you know, for, for Bellator... This is the direction that they need to move in. They need to start making sure that they invest in the talent that they have. That's the biggest thing that Bellator is lacking. They're just lacking the love for their own talent that they bring up through the system. You know, I think that they started to put more hype on their fighters because they have great talent, but they just don't give them the spotlight over old talent. That's fair. Very fair. Indeed. Rashad, what is your odds and ends this week? What do we miss? My odds and end, it comes from the UFC fight that I was at this weekend, and it was an early fight. It was the Roosevelt Roberts and Kevin Kroom fight. And what that fight was amazing. Kevin Kroom stepped in that fight, late fight replacement with 72-hour notice, and went in there, came out to what a wonderful world, and put on a show, a 35-second victory where he came in and landed a big shot that stunned Roosevelt Roberts, but then he then transitioned into a standing guillotine choke, which he doesn't even know he even claims how to do, but somehow found his way to make it mark, make his mark. But what makes it so impressive to me is, you know, this guy, the the, the journey that Kroom has been on, you know, Kroom is, is, is a um, lifelong journeyman when it comes to mixed martial arts, never made over a thousand dollars competing in the smaller regional shows and was actually had a contract to fight in the UFC but failed this COVID-19 test and then was uh, cut from the UFC. But then they brought him back because when he thought he he got cut from the UFC, got the contract, got cut from the UFC after he failed the test, and he thought the world was over. And then just when he thought it was over, he gets another chance, but it was fighting at a higher weight class and it was fighting against Roosevelt Roberts. And he just said, you know what, I'm going to take it. And and that's why Dana White awarded him so big afterwards. He's like, you know what, you... you, uh, you take big chances and you get rewarded big. So shout out to him. Dude, his celebration felt really good. That's one thing oh about this fan era, Rashad. I almost feel like fighters, when they win, to fill that gap of not having screaming fans, it's almost like we're getting some over-celebrations, and I'm here for it. I love this change. We are seeing people, like, maniacally celebrate, like Connor jumping the fence after knocking out Seaver to find Jose type of celebrations lately, and uh, this one was deserving. I don't know if you heard his interview afterwards. He was completely, obviously, humble and shocked and happy, but he's like, yeah, I want to fight next week, too. I can make 45 or 55, and if you give me another week, I can make 35, too. This guy, What was his nickname, too? It was something real white trash. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, you know, he kind of reminded me of, have you ever seen that movie uh, California with with, uh, with with Brad Pitt in it? Yes, he's kind of really, he kind of got a little bit of early in him. Come on, early! He got a little bit of great early in him. <laughs> Feel good moment. Tough break for Roosevelt Roberts, right? Keep I keep picking him, and then it's not working. Uh, it was a tough break, but here here's the thing with, with that whole situation. Like when when you're a guy like Roosevelt Roberts, or not even you know just just someone in that position where you you're a veteran in the UFC and you're fighting against a guy who's a late replacement. You have to meet that energy. And especially now with this pandemic fighting, these guys are getting this opportunity from these regional shows and they're realizing like, this is it. This is it for me. And they've, you know, they, they understand how hard the landscape is to even make it into the UFC. So they're willing to give it all. And for them, 
this is their title fight. So you have to match that energy if you're a veteran like Roosevelt Roberts or someone of that matter going in there against these guys. And he didn't do that. Yeah, absolutely. A fun week of fights. Look forward to Showtime's return this weekend. That Colby Covington, Tyron Woodley fight going to be fun. Uh, Rashad Evans, great going up and down MK with you as you're part of our extended MK universe here. You have joined a list of royalty of people that have replaced Luke and I. It includes Chuck Mindenhall, the man with the damn hat, and uh, Aljamain Sterling. So, uh, okay, okay. That's, I'm that's up there nice with little, some good people. <laughs> nice, little, nice little crew that we're rocking out right there. Uh, Rashad, I've been, I've been uh, jamming on that Peloton, okay? One of these days I'm going to come in with a, with, a, with a tight jawbone, okay? I mean, it's, it's, it's a rich guy thing, but it's working. I'm loving it, okay? That's good, Thank BC. You. It's all about the routine and stay consistent. Clean, right? Consistency, yeah. yeah it's diet brand for me to eat clean. You know diet saying? is what creates abs, BC. Diet. Diet. Okay. Okay. Um, so Rashad, like, you know what I do when I pull up on a Cumberland farms, right? What do you do when you walk in on a Cumberland farms and you see like, or maybe circle K wherever you're going and you're, uh, you're in South Florida. I don't know what they got. You got the rollers, right? You got like the tornadoes with the Buffalo, uh, you know I mean? You got, I mean, like they're just screaming for you. There's the damn slurpy machine. There's the 99 cent pizza. What, what do you feel on the inside? I, I get really excited. You know? I, I walk by all of that and I just go right to the front and just get the rolls. <laughs> just get okay. to, just get <laughs> shot out uh, to that indeed uh please try showtime take the 30-day challenge and tell me if you won't uh come back okay i think you will i think you're gonna stay with it uh go to showtime.com um right now i'm knee deep in that uh suge knight documentary fantastic i watched the damn one on uh, jeff beck was great uh, a lot of great stuff on there check out outcry if you haven't seen that along with our interviews online morning combat as well luke thomas will be back next week guys it's a big week we're going to launch this vehicle we're going to give you at least three live shows a week uh obviously next week is the double charlo pay-per-view adesanya costa oh good god yeah let me get some of that rashad right i mean that was weird but like you you got that right you got that yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I got that i didn't get the pump but i i got it i got it <laughs> okay so, sorry sorry uh follow him at sugar rashad evans on the instagram on the twitter uh support what we do obviously store.show.com you can get your merch uh rashad evan any uh message to close in all seriousness this quarantine's been rough but i've 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 uh I've learned you've got to take care of yourself. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. That's what it's all about, BC. Taking care of yourself. And a matter of fact, I'm about to go to the gym right now oh, yeah. and get some work in. So gotta keep them abs going, baby. That's what I'm talking about. All right. A 40-year-old with abs, never heard of it until now. All right. It's here, it's there. <laughs> that's Rashad Evans. Uh and that's it for us. Uh for Sugar Rashad, for Jay the producer, I am your boy BC. As Luke would say, may all your hoes be loyal. 